Lucid Strata. A world building and storytelling actual play podcast. In which an arts graduate and an engineer use generative systems to craft fictional settings grounded in reality. When you wake from your dreams, do your dreams end for good? When you close the book on the story, does its world continue on without you? This is a podcast dedicated to those worlds, little fragments of reality ticking on by themselves long after we have left them behind. Welcome to Lucid Strata. I'm LJ. I use they, them pronouns. And this is Ed. Say hi, Ed. Hi, Ed. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. And you can find me at low underscore cinnabar on Twitter. And you can find me uh, behind the woodpile wondering where all the gnomes have gone. Mm. Why have all the gnomes all gone? Long time passing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why have all the gnomes all Uh, gone? Long time ago. There are so there are um, uh, stories that we don't have dwarves in, you know, the world anymore because everything got a bit too much, and they decided to clear off. Like I heard one story of, uh, uh, you know, a ferryman somewhere in Norway um, gets a short man with a red hat come and ask him if he can take his ferry backwards and forwards over the um, river and. He can hear things on the ferry, but can't see anything. And so he spends the whole day going backwards and forwards to this empty ferry across the river. And at the end of the day, the gnome's like, yeah, fair play. You didn't break any of the rules we set down for you. So we'll show you what's going on. And uh, all of the dwarves then become invisible. And uh, they tell him that they've had enough and they're leaving for another world somewhere. (laughs) Oh, no. So maybe maybe that's where all the gnomes have gone. Maybe that's where all the gnomes have gone. A whole other world. Um, when Marlene Dietrich will sing to them every day. Um, Oddly specific. As you can no doubt tell from this lengthy introduction, uh, we do. We are a podcast that uses TTRPGs to create worlds and settings uh, and explore uh, the medium of uh, world-building RPGs um, and, and writing. And uh, we are going to be back into our game of the ground itself by Everest Pipkin, which you can find at everestpipkin.itch.io. Continuing our last two episodes uh, into our second era, this is a playthrough of The Thousand Blades, the the Arthurian River Delta that we have created. Whole cloth. Last we left off, uh, we were in an era of the High Priestess. We discovered a bunch of things about the land, uh, the trees, the memorial trees, um, these water and fire flowers and white flowers we discovered about the landscape, the traditions, the festival of the two nights where children wear mortal wounds in a very fun and fancy way in red ribbons that to outsiders go, oh, that's really lovely. And then they think about it for 10 seconds. We discovered the seasons, three seasons, and uh, we had sort of a, a rivalry between the high priestess and her former acolyte who left and whose followers frequently come back to the city for, for goods and services and to spirit away gods in jars of water. That's more or less where we left off, right? So, um, that is more or less where we end off. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, you're, you're bearing the lead slightly in that at the mm. end of the last age, the high priestess got murdered yeah. in her own temple 
uh, <laughs> which like Jesus, you know, like we thought you were going for a nice, you know, temple vibe. Everything's cool. You know, there's a bit of a religious schism going on, but it's as religious schisms go, there has not been a whole lot of bloodletting. And oh, look, now the high priestess is dead. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's been interesting. Yeah, a flash of water, steel, a drop of blood, and she's fallen at the end of this age, and a new a new era will be ushered in. So yeah, so now now we should uh, we should probably kick off by looking at the mechanic for changing era. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you want to read or shall I? I've done a lot of reading. I feel like. I will, yeah, I'm happy to read. Uh, yeah. Let me find the... Uh, and we should prelude this by saying, once again, um, by Everest game, by by all of Everest games. Yes, and all of Everest's really beautiful art um, and digital creations. The Worm Room is a really cool just sort of greenhouse simulator, generative greenhouse simulator. They've uh, done a Roblox Dream Diary, which is gorgeous, what and they've written articles about it. What is Roblox? Roblox is one of the most popular games on the planet today, and no one's ever fucking heard of it. Um, it is sort of like Minecraft or Lego for creating games. Right, because I, I was only aware of it in that it, it, it seems to keep replacing my Minecraft references. Um, and <laughs> I don't like this because I, I'm a Minecraft player and, mm. uh, uh, you know, um, I, I, I like references I understand. Um, and things thing you know i i used to know what it was and then things which it became new and scary to me um so anyway okay well i consider myself duly educated then uh here here is the after every cycle um section of the game after every cycle when a player draws a 10 of any suit time advances the player rolls the six-sided die, and this number, plus the units of time decided at the beginning of the game, is the length of our gap. For example, if the die lands on a three, and the unit decided at the top was days, three days pass. If the die reveals a five, and the unit was centuries, you have a gap of 500 years. You may choose to go forward or backwards in time. This may be a narratively useful place to take a break. After rolling the die, talk about something else, grab a snack from the kitchen, walk outside, or feed the cat. This is probably a tiny gap compared with the one described in our story, but consider allowing some moment to pass and for the actions of the last cycle to fade just slightly into history. Oh, we've definitely done that already. <laughs> we've definitely done that. When the table reconvenes, you'll collectively answer the following questions, optionally taking short notes. The players may each answer one question in a circle, or all chime in on each one. Remember, try not to contradict other players' assertions, but rather work your own ideas into the fabric of what they have said. After answering these questions, resume the normal pattern of gameplay. Now I think we're playing this, uh, but we're because there's a variant of this game where you roll the die each time to work out what the gap is. No, no, we we've already decided uh, centuries, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So we're sticking with centuries, and we're trying to work out how many centuries forwards or backwards we're going. Yes. So I've got my beautiful um, metal die, um, which you can't see because this is an audio medium, and your glass table to roll it on. And my glass table, my water steel table to roll it upon, <laughs> um, which is the thing in this universe. Uh, okay. Five centuries. Five centuries forward. Wow. Yeah, okay. I feel like forward is a good. That's a significant chunk of time. Yeah. Five centuries pass. Are we even in the same genre now? <laughs> Who knows? Um, um, we've got some questions to ask. 
First question, do our characters' civilizations still live here? If not, who lives here now? Does anyone? Um, I'm going to go with yes. The civilization is still here. And but but I think we we're not we haven't said anything so far which uh, references immortality or hugely expanded lifespans and we've been uh, talking about the the question of baseline humans is is an interesting one in speculative fiction mm, for a number yeah. of reasons but we've been talking about you know people with conventional human lives yeah um, so I'm going to say our, our characters uh, if there are any specific people we talked about they are now gone yes absolutely um, but the civilization is still here. Yeah, I I feel like that's that's good. Um, and if there is anyone still here, it should come as a surprise. <laughs> it's ostensibly possible, but I unlikely at best. What does the place physically look like now? Has anything visually changed? How does it smell now? How does it feel here? I think the fires of industry have visited. Um, I think. Uh, um, I think. May, maybe this is too big to say at this point, but I feel like the secret of forging fire itself has been unlocked and there are lots of tall fire structures, buildings made of solid, solid flame um, sort of built um, around here. I don't think this place itself is wildly industrial, but I feel like this place is a place that benefits very much from, from industry and has uh, developed in a lot of ways that we might, might not, um, uh, have expected of our idyllic um, but very qu- squabblesome delta, uh, our Arthurian delta that previously existed. Um, interesting, interesting. So, so the engineer in me immediately wants to know what what are the uh, unique physical properties of uh, forged fire? Because we have uh, we we've got forged water, which is very different to water itself. It's uh, the the vibe I was getting was it's very strong, it's very sharp. Um, it makes excellent knives, and it was also used for buildings. I think it was mentioned a couple of times. Mm. So, so what, what specifically? What what are they using forged fire for? I don't know. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Play, guess we're going to gonna find that one out. <laughs> okay. Next question: Does the place still use the same name? If not, what is it called now, and who calls it that? So last time we called it... uh, The Delta of the Thousand Blades. Delta of a Thousand Blades, which honestly just makes sense. Names, I think, as a rule, names tend to uh, shorten or simplify over time. Yeah. Unless unless there's an ideological change. So um, deciding you're you're going to call Istanbul uh, Constantinople Istanbul. Try again, Istanbul. Good grief! Deciding you're going Istanbul, to call Constantinople. Constantinople. <laughs> Constantinople. Uh, deciding you're going to call Edo Tokyo now, or you're going to call Constantinople Istanbul. There is a, mm. a specific name change for an ideological reason. Um, there's no obvious ideological uh, reason for the name change that jumps out at me. Um, I like the idea of the name of shortening or becoming something I mean, else. J- just. I think as a starting point, the obvious change to me is just calling it Thousand Blades. So it become the focus is not the delta, but on the things which are made there, which kind of mirrors hmm. uh, the industrial shift as well. Yeah. Um, be, uh, I, you know, there might be another name change which presents itself shortly. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, part of my head's going through like different, like, like uh, Thou Blades, uh, Meal, 
as in like the French like M I L S. So if we're going like the like French cycle, uh, what are the, the matter of France? Kilo blades. Yeah, kilo blades. <laughs> that's that's when we jump uh, six centuries forward and into science fiction setting. Um, <laughs> Just googling sword in French. Epe. <laughs> it's called milepe. I, um, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> It feels like a one-piece move. Do you have unexplained rectal bleeding? Ask your doctor if Millipay is threat for you. <laughs> oh, my God. What if your <laughs> rectal bleeding is your first port of call in that? My goodness. Uh, my goodness, I Ed. too much time on the internet. <laughs> then thinking about um, rectal bleeding. Um, uh, so I think it's, I think, it, yeah, we'll just call it a thousand blades instead of the, the delta of a thousand blades. I am, I am generally a big fan uh without getting too tolkieny i am a big fan of uh fiction translating mm. local words and i mean the tolkien's a weird one because he filled that those books with with invented words and invented languages and invented names but he also uh made it clear that those invented names were actually translations yeah he has like his own fucking like oh wait well, i'm translating names from middle earth into linguistic and, and linguistically into old english so that we understand what it is it's like jesus christ tolkien yeah like the the hobbits have their own names that were then translated into things like frodo and samwise which is nuts i love it so much it's like holy shit you, you know but 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 do do not panic dear listeners uh linguistics georg is an outlier and should not be counted um <laughs> the the, uh, but I, I am generally a, a fan of works just translating things into English, even to the point of city names. Mm. Um, you know, uh, so 100%, um, I'm, I'm happy with Thousand Blades. Yeah, and we can just say this is a translation convention, a, a la Tolkien. Yeah. I just want to I just want to point out at this point, I've just re-googled Frodo's name, and his Frodo Baggins is called Maura Labingi, which is... Mm, that's his real name, and it was translated to Frodo Braggins by Tolkien from Westron, which is the actual language of his fictional universe, which is just, you, what a flex. I See, I think what has actually happened here is uh, he submitted the initial draft, and the, and the editor has come back and gone, seriously, you called your lead character Mora, uh, Mora Labingi. Mm. And Tolkien has had a massive argument with them and then gone, fine, fuck you, I'll translate the names. But he's meant, <laughs> I'm not actually going to translate the names. I'm going to say his name still is really what I wanted. I'm going to mention that only in the appendices. Also, Bilbo's name is Bilba, which is pretty good. Pretty, pretty good, pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, yes, so let's get back into the game. We've got a deck of tarot cards. We are ten or so cards in. Let's draw a card, I believe, Ed, it's your turn. And you get the Seven of Wands. There is a man who has a stick who's wielding it very angrily, uh, and there are more sticks in front of him. And remember, that this game, the, the, the actual suit doesn't matter. It's the number of those cards that you've already drawn. So we have only drawn one seven, I believe. Uh, yes, this is so our this second is seven. seven. Num- yeah. Seven number two. Uh, seven number oh, two. Oh, I love this one. Okay. Uh, second seven. Invent a specific street, building, corner, overlook, or meeting place. What is it called officially, and what do the locals call it? I I really love this. I love fiction which um, uh, pulls you into specific streets and places and mm. tells you what's going on there. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of time for it. So now you get to see how bad I am at, at, at trying to uh, do that myself. <laughs> ah, so this is interesting because, like, 
uh, if we're in we're industrializing now, so a lot of what I had in my head previously for the city is looks very different. Mm, it's five um, centuries out of date, my dude. Five centuries out of date. Oh damn. Um, okay, so uh, let's say. Well, we're talking about industrial stuff, so let's say rather than individual smithies, we've now got a foundry district. Mm. Um, so let's uh, have a street and a foundry district. Um, it's going to look, it's going to, well, it's going to feel uh, pretty similar to um, the, uh, you know, post-industrial districts in places like Birmingham and London and, and, and so on. Um we're still in the city-state territory here, so it's actually, in terms of the position of the of the city and the you know the, the area around it, it's going to look a lot like um, very early Victorian London because at that point London is the UK's um, major industrial centre plus port plus capital plus uh, major trading and and uh, mercantile centre as well. Um, so. Yeah, okay. So uh, I'm thinking um, bricks have become very popular. Uh, I'm going to say one of the... Oh, are they like adobe bricks because of the mud? Well, this is the thing, yeah. They've got loads of mud going around. Um, so I think industrialized adobe. Adobe is a really cool material, uh, engineering-wise as well. Um, pretty, From what I remember, pretty low impact uh, carbon-wise. Um, mm. Pretty good insulator, uh, depending on the stuff you throw into it, you know. Um, and you know, if, if lest you be kind of uh, dismissing mud as a building material um, for a place with lots of rain, remember that uh, the rainiest county in the UK is in fact Devon, and it's I think the only place in the UK where they still build cob houses, and cob houses are just rammed mud. Um, hmm. So there you go. Uh, right. So I'm getting way off track here. So I'm going <laughs> to say. Um, this is an industrial street. Uh, we've got uh, at one end, we've got a brickworks um, where they are taking huge piles of mud, um, probably from where it was dredged out the river. Because, um, you know, at, the, at this, if we're industrializing, we're probably uh, fixing like, some of the channels at least, where we're shaping them a little bit more rather than allowing the city to be shaped by them. Um, and so that dredged mud has to go somewhere and it may as well go to a brickworks and be turned into bricks. Um, so there's a brickworks at one end of the street. Um, at the other end of the street is going to be the equivalent of the local pub um, because once you've finished work, what do you want to do? You want to go and sit down and have a nice cold uh, drink of something or another and that's called um, near wine and near light beer made of rice yeah it's like it could could be beer um <laughs> and yeah that's so that's what that's like uh, the street is still uh mud is is not a, adobe is not a great surface for for roads um so the roads are still going to be uh rocks and pebbles taken locally from uh, the shoreline and brought up by barge and then used to, to pave the streets. Um, so, yeah, and what, what, so what is this specific street building corner of a local meeting place? That's uh, We're sort of describing what goes into making it. I am, yeah. This is What is the street itself? This is, uh, so the place itself... Not just physically, but also culturally, I guess. 
oh, cult, I mean, culturally, it's a place you go to, uh, one end of the street is a place you go to earn money, the other end of the street is a place you go to spend money. Oh, shoot, um, okay. Uh, so, you know, you go to work in the brickworks and then you walk to the other end of the street and you spend your money in the pub. Um, what is it called officially and what do the locals call it? Uh, it's going to be, they're always called something like Brickwork Street. Um, and the locals probably just call it something like the works, but that doesn't make sense. Mm. Got multiple works in the city. I don't like that at all. Um, Brickwork Street is what it's called. If, well, no, I, you know what? Uh, the locals call it Brickwork Street, and officially it's called... Um, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to indulge myself with stupid, flowery names for things. Uh, let's call it um, Alignment with the Sun Avenue. No, Alignment with the Sun... No, God, this is I not I think Alignment with the Sun District is a good idea. I, I love Alignment with the Sun because it's something it's, about... I, it's see, like you're baking. You've got to bake the, the bricks, right? Maybe this is part of what Solid Fire is for. <laughs> maybe, yeah, and I think... I. You know, that um, I like the idea that maybe there's a, uh, um, a, a, a we were talked about a shift in society because we've now industrialized. Um, I like the idea that there's there's a shift in um, like a philosophical religious outlook, right? So you've got you beforehand, it was like the gods are in all the rivers and the rivers are the important thing. But now we've got forged fire as well, which is, mm. so maybe there's a, a question of, are you aligned with the water? Are you aligned with the heat? Are you aligned with, you know, different different aspects of the world around you? Of like the classical elements. Class, yeah, classical elements, but also, I don't know, not necessarily classical elements, but, but more uh, like physical things that specific things are in the world around you so mm. alignment with the five stars alignment with the sun alignment with the floods alignment with the rains right um, okay it's it's specific thing rather than uh trying that that uh, is aristotle who laid, laid out the four classical elements rather than alignment with you know everything is made up of these four elements it's there are these specific things we can see in the world around us and you can be aligned with them um so uh al alignment with the sun Street. Uh, I don't want to say district because it's a specific place. Well, maybe it's because um, we call all the rivers blades or knives. Maybe it's something something like a sword word. Ah, um, uh, yeah. What we got? Sword words. There are different types of swords. There's different parts of swords. Yeah. Uh, there's tang, which I've always liked as a word, which is um, the the bit of a knife which runs through the handle. Um. Oh yeah, like or, or you could use handle or hilt, like or, or t tang is good actually. Like alignment with the sun, like tang alignment with the sun or something. Um, or hilt uh, alignment uh, with the sun's hilt, and each street is called apostrophe something hilt. Oh, that's yeah, that's not a bad one. Or oh, point, point because the whole yes. if you're in a delta, the landscape itself is full of points anyway. And that the this is something I I kind of hit with world building a lot because uh, English and uh, in every language used in our world has convenient handles for things right like street road avenue boulevard point whatever um, 
which are, are, for, for a person reading or viewing the world you're building, um, it's a useful way to kind of convey what, what you mean. Um, mm. But the I, I, it, it's that question of where to draw the line, right? Because you want to be inventive. You don't just want to replicate what you have. Anyway, um, yeah, let's call it uh, Alignment with the Sun Point. Um, cool. And it's a... Uh, a street which runs down this narrow wedge of land. The brickworks itself is at the point. You know, the, the barges will come and uh, dump their mud there. Uh, it absolutely stinks. Um, and then at the other end of the street, uh, down towards one of the other uh, corners of the triangle, that's where you've got a pub. Nice. But there's, as far as that little wedge of land is concerned, mud goes in one end, bricks come out the other. Do you have a name for this subtropical pub? Uh, subtropical pub. Um, oh, let's hang one second. Give me one second. It's <laughs> going to be an industrial pub. An industrial pub. Um, is it, is it called named... something derogatory like mud house, stink house, <laughs> 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 or the uh, or the dredger's pit, or something? Oh, oh, I know. Okay, so um, the frog is the little divot in a brick, uh, which which holds mortar. Oh shit. Um, and obviously we're in a delta, so frogs are going to be a thing anyhow. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to frogs say it's called the burnt frog. The burnt frog? The burnt frog. Incredible. Uh. The um, gen- bricks generally, fantastic things. Like You can go you know, uh, and look at archaeological uh, examples of tiles uh, and see thumbprints and footprints and, and cat paw prints, all that kind of thing. Um, and there's a if, if you want to go down an internet rabbit hole, there's a, a project in the U.S. called the Slave Dwelling Project, mm. um, which seeks to preserve and draw attention to uh, the slave dwellings uh, in the South associated with plantation houses, but also in in urban areas too. And one of the uh, creators and uh, historical interpreters who works with this project, um, she found bricks. Uh, in one of these slave dwellings, which still had the fingerprints of the makers there. Oh, my God. And that's quite something to know that the, you know, you can put your hand, uh, you know, she could put her hand in the print of the people who pulled the the bricks out the ground, turned them into bricks, and then built the houses and then lived in the houses. Yeah. Um, Which is quite something. Especially when you're looking back on such a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting and super interesting work that that she and the uh, the, I'm trying to recall her name and the founder of the project's name, but the uh, the her her Instagram account is called Not Your Mama's History, Um, and uh, the project she work does a lot of work with is called the Slave Dwelling Project. So I don't I don't know if we have liner notes, but those should go in the liner notes. Yeah, absolutely. We can we can do that. Um, I'll bring that up in another tab. So remember to put a link in the in the description um cool yeah so there you go uh the the burnt frog incredible uh and uh <laughs> alignment with the sun point and alignment with the sun brickworks mm-hmm. that's phenomenal as if that's a fucking brick pun is the burnt frog god damn it okay uh five all- of ones <laughs> <laughs> i'm mad about how good this is uh people are dancing and this is the first this is the second five we've got i think uh yes yeah five two uh so this is a group of people dancing and clacking sticks together 
Oh no, they're having a fight over sticks. Actually, they're not dancing at all. <laughs> the it's mommy not, and daddy are wrestling. Is it Morris no. dancing? Is it a brawl? We don't know. It's a, it's either a fight or people are trying to balance some sticks and having an argument about it. Um, but yeah, no, uh, they're sure upset about this. This yeah, this situation. Um, what secrets are kept in our place? Why are they kept? By who and from whom? Uh, these have got to be the secrets of forging. I think there's a lot of different techniques now and uh, people are very protective of their IP. Um, this is the point where you get in, in sort of industrial houses of people who forge water steel en masse or forge water water iron and water bricks and fire like... Uh, oh, I guess we could call it sun steel. Now I'm thinking about it. If it's fi- made of fire, that's pretty dope. Ooh, um, nice water steel and sun steel. Yeah, I like that a lot. So you get like different people with different techniques, and in, in the same way that you get with industrial time per- time periods, people building designs and getting really well known for a design, and then keeping a close a, a lid on the the actual design itself as possible. Um, Which I think possibly also implies. Uh, that we don't have a patent system. It's much more, um, and and that that kind of thing tends to promote uh, secrecy around development. Like the uh, Skunk Works, I think, is one of the um, uh, the big aerospace companies' uh, uh, way of um, producing new stuff, and they don't patent anything. They just have uh, extreme secrecy around um, how they what they've built and how they built it and how the technology works. Uh, so that it's extremely hard to get hold of because the thing with patents is they get published. And so if you're trying to develop new planes for a military, you might not want someone in, say, uh, China, who which doesn't have the best records in terms of international patents um, and respecting that, uh, just going, oh, cool, so if we put this coating on our planes, then they're impervious to radar. Neat, let's make some of that. Um, you just have extreme levels of secrecy instead. Um, I, I think but a you whole, get industrial a houses industry, sort of fighting over these these designs and uh, yeah. like I, uh, I think you the, get micro wars and secret secret battles I guess amongst the city streets very uh, uh, very dune type uh, into house battles uh, I was I was thinking more like uh, like sort of a Venetian discworldy sort of stilettos in the dark oh, sort of situation yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's over pattern designs um, yeah yeah I think I think that's a pretty swift way of getting into things um uh, I think I'm done with that that card. Um, Ace of Pentacles. There is a hand reaching out of um, the wind to hold a giant glowing pentacle, um, as if it's the sun cupped in a hand. And below it is the uh, a hedgerow entrance to a, he- a doorway in a hedgerow, as if an entrance to a maze or to the land of fairy. And behind it, some mountains. Dope. Okay, so this is our second ace. Ace number two. It is time to plant the seedlings. What are they? What are the seedlings, and where are they planted? What is the harvest that it's hoped for? Um, this isn't really hitting the spot for me. So I'm going to. I mean, seedlings can be metaphorical. Um, they can. It, they're like they absolutely can. Um, but I'm. Uh, I I think I'd rather do a focused situation here. Yeah, a um, first focused situation. Focused situation. So uh, um, this is a special rule in which you can, before you answer a question, you can sort of just be like, no, and uh, do something else if it doesn't fit what you want to do. 
So uh, focus situations, there's a specific list of these in the rules, and you can, uh, I believe you can use them uh, as many times as you like. Uh, it's not like when, uh, if you draw a 10 at the end of the age, there's a list of questions to draw from, but you only use one of those questions once. Um, this one we can come back and use the same. Oh, did is that is that something we were supposed to do? Whoops. <laughs> I, we did all of them. Did we? No, we no, did, no. We did sorry, every not, single one. Not those specific ones. The, so the, the list, uh, the, there's a set of questions where you do every question at the end of the age. And then if you draw a 10, uh, you pick freely between the following questions, but do not pick the same one twice. And there's a specific list right, of questions okay. under 10. Yep, 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 yep. Sorry, I yeah, I'm you, confusing uh, 10s versus end of the age. So that, But that's fine. Okay. We've, we've done that properly. Um, cool. So what have we got? Uh, my options are tell a story, throw a party, see an omen, leave the frame, or move on. Uh, I've also got two extra ones in my copy, which is discover something and act on a conflict. Oh, damn, um, have you got a better copy than me? Maybe I've got a more up-to-date copy than you. Well, um, if you uh, go to Everest Pitkin's page and buy <laughs> the game, uh, which you definitely should, um, then, then you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see the correct number of uh, mm. questions. Um, oh, and there's discover something as well. There's discover something at the bottom of that page. Oh, okay, yeah, I've got that one as well. Uh, there's only one that you're missing. You know, I'm. I want to uh, leave the frame just for a second, um, because five hundred years ago we had a religious schism where um, one lot of people went, "Screw you guys! I'm going to make my own city-state with blackjack and hookers mm. um, and, and your gods <laughs> and and your gods, um, which I'm going to take with mm. me. There are gods, um, and then disappeared." And now they have a very different um, kind of take on things. The thing which jumps into my mind here is the difference between Put and um, Carthage, which are both uh, Phoenician city-states. Um, Carthage basically uh, got founded as a kind of wayside point for trading between Spain and well, what is now Spain and Syria. Um, so the, the you know the the Phoenicians were like oh, cool, uh, we want stuff from Spain, but we need to stop off somewhere in the middle of the Mediterranean and like uh, refuel and, and get water and food for our ships, and then we can sail back to the real cities and put and, and, and finish it proper. So Carthage ends up there, but it sort of has this like Britain and America type vibe. Like mm. the Carthaginians, they do the whole kind of renewal of loyalties thing and they do the kind of religious ties thing but they're very much their own like you know they 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 don't get told what to do mm. um so that's super interesting um and if anyone listening has uh recommendations for books to read about phoenicia and uh carthage including possibly a pronunciation guide for phoenicia um that would be great <laughs> um so i'm i think phoenicia is correct okay cool so um it's 500 years later We've got this uh, splinter religion in a separate city-state up the coast. I think the assassination of the high priestess in the last age was a significant event for uh, for, for both city-states, but in different ways. Here, mm. it led, I think, because you mentioned uh, it shifted power away from like the religious groups. Yeah, I think here it led to a uh, like a relaxation almost. Um, like the religion is still there, but it's maybe taken on different philosophies. Um, and the guys in the new city state uh, are very much like, 
oh, so the legitimate line of priestesses over there is ended now because, uh, you know, there was an assassination. This is, you know, arguably bollocks because um, there are still high priestesses in the original city, say, in Thousand Blades. So, you know, as far as they're concerned, there's there's still a, a, a lineage. But the, in, the guys in the new city are like, well, obviously we're now the correct line of uh, high priestesses. Um, and so there's that dynamic going on as well. There's a, there's a little bit of a, of a Protestant Catholic type thing going on where everyone's mm-hmm. insisting that, no, we, we know what's actually going on and uh, they are talking rubbish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's kind so of... So we've got the sword faith and the jar faith. The sword faith. The jar faith is still... Exactly. Um, and the, the jar faith is still going strong and is much more permissive in no, see, the northern state. I, I I would say the opposite. So the, the, the original city, things have become a lot more liberal in Thousand Blades. In the new city, yeah. um, they've leaned the other way. They've said, we are, they are the true custodians of the religion. They know what's going on. Um, and maybe there's also a suggestion that they haven't let uh, their waterways uh, get polluted by all this nasty industrial stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, and that they're very happy they took... Uh, all the gods they could with them and put them in nice safe rivers uh, in this new city state and so we see, we we flit to the north for like a or i get i've just arbitrarily picked north of this delta i don't know why Lol. um we 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 flip to this this adjacent nation um we see the faith of the we see the faith of jars or i guess the faith of cups that makes sense oh <laughs> there you go the faith of swords the faith of cups mm. Uh, we see the Faith of Cups going strong, and they've got a, they've sort of vine-like, got a, not a stranglehold of the city, but more control over the, over the city in this, in this adjacent nation state. Cool. Um, so yeah, mechanic-wise, uh, leave the frame. Um, the, it, in terms of our card count, this still counts as an ace, but it means you don't have to, to do the, the question under the ace if you, if you don't like it. Yeah. So this ace has been burnt now, essentially. Cool. Okay, I've got another ace, the ace of wands. This is our third ace. So this is ace number three. This is just a picture of a hand holding a big stick. Uh, There's a mountain with a little castle above it. There's a river and some trees and a mountain range in the distance. Third ace, I've got a scroll to where the aces are again. Uh, Using a digital version. The harvest day has arrived. What is being harvested for what purpose and how is it being stored? Um, I think in this industrial city, well, harvest the flow of the flow of seasons still happens. Um, so the flow of farming and um, reaping is still there, absolutely. Um, but I think I think we're going to go metaphorical with it. I think this is. Um, I think the rainy season is the best time to. Uh, forge water steel and I feel like the hot season is definitely the best time to forge sun steel so I'm thinking the third season was um, season of floods um, which I don't think is a good time to do anything (laughs) Uh, having lived in York which floods every year it's just a pain in the ass Uh, there's a a pub there which has a water line they mark every year uh, to how high the water goes into the pub and most of it's about head height so I don't know how they stay open uh, it's on the river. I think it's the Sam Smith's at the minute, um, but it's it's a good little pub on the edge of the ooze, I believe, the River Ooze, uh, great name for a river. Um, I think this. It, so I think the 
the materials go seasonally, even if they are constantly being produced, there's like a season where they get stuff out. There's a real boom in that in that specific industry. And I think in this moment that we're looking at it, it's um, Sunsteel's on the up and up. Watersteel is old hat. It's very good for building materials, but it's boring. And Sunsteel people are using for all sorts of things. And it's being, it, you have to store it very carefully because it is fire. So you have to store it in great fats of water steel, uh, although it does slowly, slowly damage the water itself, um, slowly becomes steam, but it's very good uh, as a temporary measure. So you get these great water steel vats um, storing ingots of, ingots of fire um, that then get sort of forged into all sorts of equipment. I think it's really good for furnaces because you can just put the, you can put the fire in there. You don't have to worry so much. I think it's not unbearably hot to touch, but when you put a bunch of them together, it's really good for making ovens. Um, and I think there are definitely like lighthouses and buildings built out of it because it stores, it's a way of folding fire into things um, over a long period of time. Um, so you see the hammers coming down on, on the flames and folding more and more fire. So it takes a lot of energy to make sun steel, but this is the time, this is the season. Um, and you can you can take it from the very, the, the heat of the sun itself, I think, in some ways. You have been listening to Lucid Strata with your hosts, LJ and Ed. Lucid Strata was recorded and edited by Leverett Jakes and produced by Lois Stone. All the music on the show was written, performed, and recorded by Lo Cinnabar, aka me. You can find more at lo-cinnabar.bandcamp.com. That's low as in L-O-W. And Cinnabar as in the island in Pokemon Red. Finally, this week's game was The Ground Itself by Everest Pipkin. You can find more about Everest Pipkin's work on everest-pipkin.com, including their new game, The World Ending Game. Lucid Strata, a world-building and storytelling actual play podcast. Time to wake up. Come dream with us again sometime. <laughs> <laughs>